you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, so just in in normal fashion, we'll start with review over what we've been talking about. We've started with prayer. Um, we've, we're discussing prayer and worship. And just really quickly to just make this known, I, I, I quoted this, or I talked about this on Sunday, how I was listening to pastors begin to speak things that the Lord had shown him, that the Lord has also shown people here. And there, there are thousands of miles away from us, and the Lord is showing them the same things of how he's moving and what he's doing in his people that he's revealed to us here, which is pretty astounding. And I've had, we've talked about this several times of how prayer and worship should be our go-to, the most foundational things that we have in our arsenal. When we don't know what to do and when we do know what to do, we should, we should pray and we should worship. We should understand these things deeply, but we don't understand them very, very well in, in the church. And as Christians, we, we just kind of understand what we've modeled and what has been modeled for us. And that's kind of what we know to be prayer, know to be worship, what we've grown up seeing. Um, but in this lesson that I, I was listening to um, just last Saturday when I was out mowing the churchyard, um, this woman said, she said, it is, it is time. The Lord has brought us into this season of intercession and worship. He has brought the children of God into a season of worship and prayer. And we're going to talk about something that's going to bring clarity as to why he has brought us into that. Why he has brought us into this season. But just to have this prompting on, on my heart to begin to teach on prayer and worship and hear another pastor say, we are in a season where prayer and worship are necessities right now for what we're in. And the things that the Lord has for us, they will only be discovered through prayer and worship. He, he, he means to draw us into these places. And so we've started with prayer, and we've recognized, and what we've talked about is that prayer is directly related to relationship with our Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks and teaches and displays His prayer life, and it is completely and totally linked to the depth of relationship He has with the Father. If you do not have a deep and a meaningful and individual, individually deep relationship, not a deep relationship dependent on a bunch of things like a, a, f- a fog machine and, and fancy lights and really good music and 30,000 people surrounding you in a dark auditorium. Like if, that, if that's where you find intimacy with the Lord, you don't really individually have a very intimate and deep relationship with God. Because you need all these other factors to contribute to an actual relationship where you're, you're open to hearing him. And uh, that's just not what Jesus, uh, that's not what he puts on display for us. We are meant to have a deep and individual relationship with God. And in that place, we have a deep and impactful and uh, just uh, powerful prayer life and worship life. Because it's so linked to our heart and God's heart connected. And in that place, we have conversation. I have much deeper and profound conversations with people that know me, and I know them. I know their heart, and they know mine. 
we have great conversations versus those that I don't really know that well and they don't really know me. The depth of conversation is obviously going to be different. I can't tell you how many times me and Jay have sat in a McDonald's uh, or a Starbucks or some coffee house and had conversations that were just profoundly, profoundly deep. To where, you, and you guys will all understand this, to where the, your imagination... And the things of God begin to wonder together and you end up just starting to talk about things that you've never really conceived or really talked about before. Deep, deep, deep things, wondrous things, mysterious things. Those only come when there's a deep relationship, a powerful relationship. Two things that we've recognized that, that there are two truths. A truth for everybody is that God is creator and a truth that is just for those that are saved is that he is our heavenly father. And the main difference right there is the relationship. But what we see so many believers in the church is that he never takes the step from creator to heavenly father. We pray towards him. We engage in relationship with him, still holding him in this place of he is creator and creator only to me. He is not my father. There's a different relationship with someone that you only see as your boss versus someone that you see as your father, as family. You'll have a different kind of relationship. And I've seen this modeled more often than not. People who follow the creator and don't have an engaging relationship with their father. And in that, the prayer life is very different. Have you ever felt like it in, in your prayer that you might say something wrong? That you might say something that's not correct? And that people will judge you for that? Or that God would be upset if you say the wrong thing when you're praying? Don't lie, every one of you in here, including myself, have had those thoughts when you're praying and you become self-conscious. If my son comes in and is trying to articulate the things that are going on in his heart and he doesn't get all the words right, am I going to totally dismiss him and walk away from him and be like, figure it out when you know what the words you're supposed to say and then come talk to your father? Absolutely not. I'm going to sit there with him. I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to look at his heart and begin to understand what it is that he's saying or trying to say. That's what a good father does. And I am imperfect. So what more will a perfect father that sees his son, sees his daughter just coming to them vulnerable and just wanting to articulate the things in their heart and the things that they're seeing and the things that they're beginning to understand and the things that they don't understand and just pray and speak truthfully to their father. He'll see right to the heart of what's going on in those places. But when we hold, when we have this standard of this grading measure that we hold over ourselves when we're praying we're not praying to a heavenly father we're praying to a creator a creator is distant a father is present and so there's these switches that we have to make that we have to understand that it is about relationship that i have been given access to the heart of god not that i would know it but that I would be in love with it, that I would be immersed in it, and I would have a deep and powerful relationship with him, knowing his heart completely. So, um, skipping down, one of the other issues that we've seen in our society, and one of the issues that we have with this relationship with God is that we have, just, we have, we have put vulnerability in this category of a childlike thing. That we grow out of. I don't know how many times I've seen displayed. I mean, just think about our church in general. Our, not our church specifically, but our, 
our church is a Western, Western culture. We keep our children at an arm's length because they can't handle the mature things that we're able to handle. But who does the Lord say will inherit the kingdom of heaven? The children, not the adults. But as we begin to grow up, intimacy with the Lord becomes something that we leave behind. And you can't really argue with this because it is a stigma, it is a common fact for most men to be distant, cold, and not ever vulnerable with their families. Right? Like what, would, what is the number one co- complaint you would think stereotypically amongst wives is that their husbands don't talk to them. Don't let them in. They don't know where they're at. They don't know what's going on with their heart. They, they don't have much to say. They go off and they brood in their own places on their own. That's a societal norm. So if that's happening in marriage, where else is that happening? In our relationship with the Lord, everything stems from that place. Our relationship with God, it was the first thing created. God created man to have relationship with Him first. And then we have relationship with one another. He created Eve after. There was already relationship established between father and son. And so everything stems from this place of relationship with the Lord. But if we leave this vulnerability behind as a childlike thing, we will never understand the depths of the Father's heart because I am always His child. I am never too big for my britches with God because the amount I understand oftentimes for adults becomes a lot less because we start adding things that make it more difficult. Whereas if you just... if if the Lord just told a child to pray over this person and he'll rise up and walk, what would that child do? Okay. And then when they got up and walked, sweet, go sit down now. I mean, just, it's matter of fact. But if the Lord says, pray over this person and he'll walk, we start thinking, well, what am I supposed to say? What if, how do I approach this? When in the service do I need to do this? When is it appropriate? Do I need to pull them to the side? Do I need to do all the? Do I need to anoint them with oil? Or what, what should I do? Oh, man, should I wash their feet? What am I, and we just start adding all these things, turmoil, strife, worry. And we end up missing the heart of God because we don't allow for just the vulnerability and honesty in our relationship. And because we don't understand these things, because we don't have vulnerability with the Lord a lot of our life, um, a lot of our walk with God has been impacted by it, including our prayer life. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart these in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And this leads us into what we talked about last week. This simple fact that a prayer life without the spirit of God is lost. Because how can you, a prayer life is meant for him to establish the desires of his heart in me and then I begin to articulate and verbalize those things out loud. Our hearts connected and then we have a conversation in this place where our hearts are connected. How can my heart be connected to his if I have disconnected from the one thing that knows his heart? 
You cannot know the heart of God without the Spirit of God. And if you've dismissed the Spirit of God, you've dismissed the heart of God. And if you've dismissed the heart of God, you've dismissed God. You don't get to dismiss one and keep the other two. That's what the church doesn't realize. It's Father, Son, and Holy Word of God. No, that's not it. If you've dismissed the Spirit, the Father Himself is not present. Period. You cannot have two and not have the third. You cannot have one without the other. We watched that through the Old Testament as they tried to have one without the other. You couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up. They couldn't. They were unable to do this. You are not able to have a prayer life in the design that it was meant for, that we read about, that Jesus displayed. You cannot have that kind of prayer life. You cannot understand prayer. You cannot understand worship if you've dismissed the Holy Spirit from your story. Period. If you want to argue with me, let's go. I'll give you, I'll give you one round. You won't make it out of it. There's no way. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. All three. Not one. Not two. All three. We are made to have relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not made to have relationship with Father. We're not made to just have relationship with Son. We're made to have, or as some churches, we're not made to just have relationship with Spirit. We're made to have a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But dismiss one, and you've lost all of them. And prayer life is so key. It is so key to have a relationship with the Spirit of God that knows the heart of God. Prayer without the Spirit is a stab in the dark. And if prayer is based around the depth of relationship, you will see a a lot that is very highlighting and very clarifying to that person's story if you, you see them pray and you also know that they've dismissed the Spirit of God from their life. It becomes very clear. That the spirit is missing as, as, we, hear, as we hear them pray. Because you're not meant to pray without him. But tonight what I want to speak on is, the, is a specific type of prayer. We hold, it, um, we hold it in this kind of far off category. Um, but it really should be a regular part of our story. It should be a regular part of our prayer life. And that is this word intercession. Um, so what, inter- what is intercession? I'm, I'm going to start just by reading a few things um, as we look at it. Genesis 18, verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. So this is, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. We know how this story goes, right? He, he asked for 50, then he asked for a few more, and then he's like, well, if I just find one righteous, will you spare the city? And he doesn't even find that, and we know that the city is not spared. But when we are asking this question of what is intercession, the first thing that we see is it is a standing in the gap. 
This is exactly what we see Abraham doing. He is standing in the gap for a city that is about to be completely destroyed. He is standing in the gap on their behalf before the Lord, interceding for them, praying for them. And then another example of this, of course, is Jesus. And John 17, if you just want to read the entire chapter on your own, I would read it with uh, with intercession in mind. Go through it and read it for yourself. But we'll read just verse 20, just a quick little bit. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is just again an example of standing in the standing in the gap. This is Jesus standing in the gap. Um, it's in the standing in the gap for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also. For the world, intercession. We we've talked about this. We've talked about this uh, with the Diazes and other people in here. Of uh, we talked about this when when Tim was in the hospital. We're going to stand in the gap, and we're going to be the ones that pray over and and request the healing and speak the healing over them. We're going to stand in the gap between him and the illness. We're not going to allow that to claim them. We're standing in the gap, but we're also to stand in the gap for the world. God making His appeal through us. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. There is a job title that comes with the ministry of reconciliation. It is to reconcile the world back to God, back to their creator, back to their heavenly father. And in 2 Corinthians 5, we're just going to read this. We read it all the time, but we're going to read this real quick. Uh, 5.16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even Though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is making his appeal, and this brings us to the bigger point of intercession. I heard this definition, and it, it, nothing has summed up intercession better for me in all of my life uh, than this definition. Intercession. It is an invitation to climb into the heart of God and find out what He is longing for and then partnering with all of heaven to see it released. Intercession is an invitation to climb into the Father's heart 
to find out what he is longing for, what he is longing to see, what he is longing to do, and then partnering with the entirety of heaven to see it become, to see it released. We climb into the heart of God when others can't. Intercession in this time, where the, we've talked about it when it's for our brother and sister in Christ, but what about when it's for people that do not believe? There are plenty in sundown Texas that do not believe. Will we not begin to intercede for them? Will we not still, have we not still sought the heart of God to know what it is that he desires to release in this community? And then it's our job to partner with him in the releasing of these things. And not just partner with him, but partner with the entirety of heaven. I think that's important to recognize in this. That when the Lord releases vision, it's not just, we're not just partnering with him. The kingdom of heaven desires for everything that the Lord has spoken to come to be. And so we have the unity, we have the backing of the entirety of the kingdom of heaven behind us, desiring and co-laboring with Christ alongside us to see these things happen in our community. Angels and, and, and heavenly creatures and heavenly hosts, all these things, the saints all are partnered with us in what the Lord desires to do in sundown Texas because they are a part of heaven. All of heaven partners with us and we get to partner with it. And then we reveal, we reveal to the world around us all that he is doing. We live it out. We climb into the heart of God. We discover it. We receive it. And then we join with heaven in, in making it happen. And in that joining with heaven to see it release we begin to make God's appeal, his accurate appeal to this specific community because he does not just want this wide statement made about who he is and who they are to him. It's not what he wants. That's one of the reasons that in 2020 the Lord said that we are to be vessels for his kindness because what was lacking and what is still lacking in our community and in our world is kindness. People are not kind anymore. They have no desire to be kind anymore. I know, few, I know fewer people that are kind than I do people that are unkind. I know more people that are genuinely unkind and enjoy that. And the Lord has said to be kindness, to establish kindness in places where it has not been. That was how he was specifically releasing to us. That was a desire of his heart that we discovered through intercession, through standing before the Lord, asking him what it is that he wants to release. And he showed us that, and then we partner with heaven to be vessels for his kindness, as he instructed us to do. And in that, we make an appeal. God makes his appeal to the rest of the world through us, but specifically through his kindness. That's, that's how he's been making an appeal through us. That's how he highlighted it. God wants to make an appeal through us accurately and specifically. Intercession is relationally very deep. It, it's a deep time of meditation, revelation, and prayer. Um, any relationship with depth. We've talked about this already, but any relationship with depth has times of deep quality and value. Times that you find value of being together. Deep, deep uh, quality times. So much so that when we leave these moments... We know the person's heart in a new way, and they know ours in a new way. We've all had these conversations. We've all left these conversations where I knew the person. I knew their heart. I knew what 
what drove them. I knew what they desired to see in the world around them better because of that time together. And they knew that for me as well. And we get to partner together from that place. But we must, we have, just real quick, we really have no problem doing that with one another. We, we enjoy it. Any opportunity to get together and do things and have fellowship, we enjoy that. But we do not do that with the Father. You can't have, you can't have the body of Christ in its fullness without a deep relationship individually with the Father. Anything I desire to see in the body of Christ, I must first see happen in my own story. So if I want the people of this house to have deep, deep relationship with the Father, how can I hold that standard over you if I do not first have deep, deep relationship with the Father? It's impossible. And I can never lead that to be if it doesn't exist in me. That rhymed unintentionally. But that's just what I do. Okay? I work, I work magic. Not really. <laughs> but we see, this, we see this in John 17. Jesus has spent time with the heart of the Father. He spent time with His Father. He knows His Father's heart. Because what is He praying in John 17? He's praying everything that we're going to read about in 2 Corinthians 5. This ministry of reconciliation. He was the first of it. He established it through obedience, knowing the desire of the Father's heart and what the Lord wanted to do through Him and His time here on earth. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Reconciling the world back to Himself. What did Jesus' sacrifice do? It made a way for the world to be reconciled back to their Creator, back to their Heavenly Father. That was the desire of the heart of God, and Jesus only knew that. It's important for us to hear this because Jesus' perfect theology, the life He lived, we can live. I'm not talking about wandering the wilderness with crappy sandals and a sackcloth or anything. I'm not talking about eating locusts and honey. That's not what I'm talking about. The miraculous nature of Jesus is meant for us. He came to display what is for us to partake in after His sacrifice. But we see so clearly the heart of God. And we see Jesus understand it. And operate in it. We see Jesus climb into the heart of God to understand the desires of his heart. Receive it for himself and then join with all of heaven in making it so. That is what we are meant to have. What, what, how many times in scripture do we read about Jesus going off and praying on his own? That's, that's time of intercession. Intercession is deep. What do you think? It is talking about when it's saying climbing into the heart of God. Do you think that's a shallow, very quick thing that happens? No, that's a deep, that's a powerful time of prayer and and meditation and seeking after His heart. But see, we'll set up meetings. We'll set up time to gather together to have deep and empowering conversation and and conversation that's meant to, to dive us deeper into relationship with one another, but we do not even allow for a moment to do that with the Father. And I'm not talking about a quiet time. I mean, I kind of am. That's kind of what they started, started with. But a quiet time more became about, let me read the Bible in a year and just check that off my list. I don't know how many churches I go to, and every year they talk about, oh, we're starting our yearly Bible reading program. You're going to read all this 
by the end of the year, and it's like, I get what you're trying to do, but what it becomes is a task, and you miss all relationship. You miss all relationship. My dad is one of those people that when he sits down and reads the Word of God, he's literally sitting, that's, that is the depth of relationship with him and the Lord. He, just like I and my depth with God is profoundly affected by music, that is my father with the Word of God. He can sit with it and he can soak it in and he can absorb it. And the Lord speaks to him, not just off the pages, but in his heart about what he's reading and about different things. And he pulls different things that don't even have to do with what he's reading. And the Lord will take him on this rabbit trail of different things that he's trying to show him. But it's time. The biggest thing is that it's time that he specifically spends making sure that he is growing in depth in his relationship with God. And we have removed that from our schedules. We're too busy. If you're too busy for a relationship with Jesus, you've got big things that you need to fix. Because you have held things, you have placed things above the Lord. What did we talk about on Sunday? That in order to have his friendship, he must first have lordship in these places. So in order for me to have a deep relationship with him, he must be Lord over my life first and all that is in it. Or the depth of relationship that I'll have with God will always be capped. I will only be able to go so far. Right? How can you have a deep relationship with someone and if you know you let them into your house, they're going to steal something? You won't, you'll keep them at arm's length. That's just natural. So we can't expect to give God part of ourselves and get all of him in return. We can't expect that. There is, and this has been one of the things he's been speaking to me for a couple years that we haven't grasped, that the church has tried to ignore for the most part, but there is an individual requirement for you. You can't just say yes to Jesus and think it's over. When you say yes to Jesus, your life is no longer yours. It belongs to him. It is bought with a price. And it is the life, this is not a slavery thing. This is, you're not going into bondage. It's the life you were created for. For the first time, the chains fall off. That's kind of backwards, right? You buy, you pay for something, it becomes yours and ownership and authority over it. In the kingdom... When you are bought by Jesus, you actually get to enter into fullness of freedom for the first time. Right? If I go buy a horse that's a wild Mustang that's been roaming the plains all its life and I buy it, it's going into captivity. It's not going into a place where there's more freedom. See, we were in captivity. Jesus bought us and he released us into the field. The field we were meant to dwell in. The place we were meant to be. And we're meant to have a relationship with him. We're meant to have a deep relationship with him. We are the only creation ever created that can house the presence of God. We're not meant to do that partially. We're meant to do that fully. Fully housing the presence of God. Not just in part. There is an individual requirement. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 1 Peter 2, 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We are meant to 
live fully for God, fully engaged with God. This life that we get to live, we get to do a lot of fun stuff. We get to do a lot of fun stuff that is of the world. Great things that are worldly and worldly only. Period. But we are in this world. We are not of it. And it's important for us to remember what we are of. We are of the kingdom. We are ambassadors for Christ. How good would an ambassador be if it stopped communicating with the country it was meant to represent in this foreign land? Wouldn't do a good job of articulating the heart of that country towards this place that it's in. If we are ambassadors, we are meant to be in constant, deep, powerful, intimate communication with the kingdom of God, with the with the heavenly Father who sits on the throne who has sent us to be ambassadors to this foreign place, that we could articulate clearly the heart of God for this world. But we cannot do that if we only give Him part of ourselves. It is time for us to recognize and to live recognizing that this life is not mine. And if we desire His fullness in this community, we must seek Him in fullness. We must engage with Him completely. We must intercede for the desires of His heart to join with... We must intercede for the desires of His heart and then join with Him in making them come to be. It's just time for us. I've, I've, I've heard this and I believe this, but with all that we have changing in our world and all that is going in a way that we did not think it would go, we must recognize that what I have offered God so far cannot be what I continue to offer because all of us have fallen short in what we've given to the Lord. We say our life is for Him until some of that stuff comes knocking. Then we're like, well, part this, you can have that part, but I'm going to do this part. This is mine. You're over there in that outhouse. Stay in your little box. And that's what we expect of God. That's one of the things that He destroyed when you couldn't come to church. Because look at it now, it looks very different. Because he broke out of the box and people realized, actually, I don't even need to go visit that part where God is. I'm just good ignoring and pretending it's just not there completely. I'm good with that. We've kicked God out, so many of us. But those that have remained, the Lord has anointed for to, to reveal to us deep and powerful things if we are willing to give Him our time. And I'm not talking about waking up at 4 a.m. and spending four hours with the Lord. But I am talking about being those that are so dedicated to the heart of God that if He wakes you up at 4 a.m. saying, I need your time, you're like, okay, you got it. There's this beautiful story um, about Billy Graham I'm trying to remember the theologian that he, it was in Europe when he was in school in Europe, and I'm sure some of you have heard it, but there was a, oh man, I can't remember his name. It wasn't Lewis, C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis's mentor. I, it might have been Spurgeon. Anyways, they go to visit his house, right? It's a historical landmark. They go visit his house. And you can see, Next to his bed, two imprints in the floor of his knees. And the class, wow, that's amazing. They leave, and they're missing one. And they go back up. The teacher goes back up and finds a young man 
in that, in that same place, saying, let me be next. Let, let me be next. And that was Billy Graham. That's a true story. A powerful story. But someone that was so dedicated to the heart of God. I mean, sit on your knees for like five minutes and walk out of here. Like, we should record that. It'd be hilarious. Because not any of us, myself included, would get out of here very well. Just have Rhonda carry me out. It wouldn't work out. But to be so dedicated to the heart of God and in love with the heart of God that you could lose yourself in this place that you don't even recognize that your knees are beginning to put indentions in the floor. That we were just that dedicated to seeing God's kingdom established here on earth. It is time for us to be completely consumed by the desires of the heart of God. Completely consumed by His heart. That all we do live and breathe and think about what Jesus is doing and how I get to be a part of it. It's time for us to become otherworldly. To, to clearly see as the world looks at us to see and yeah, they're not from here. They don't, they don't look totally right in being here. They don't fit in. It's, it's time for that. It's time for the deep things of God to be understood by the people of God, the children of God. And that only comes with time that we allow for deep and intimate connection. And that is intercession. Climbing into the heart of God to discover the desires of His heart. Receiving that for yourself and then partaking and joining with all of heaven to see it released. That is intercession. And we need more intercessors. You do not have to be anointed to be an intercessor. If you are a child of God, you are anointed for intercession. There you go. Now you all can say, I've been anointed to do this because I'm a child of God. The day you said yes to Jesus, you were anointed to be an intercessor. Because Jesus intercedes, the Holy Spirit intercedes. And we get to join with them as the third member. As Randy taught us, we get to be the third member of intercession before the Heavenly Father. We get, to be, we get to join in and climb into His heart with the Son and with the Spirit and understand what the desires of His heart are and see it come to be in our own world. Intercession is a powerful thing and it's something that the Lord very clearly desires His children, His people to operate in again because we have not for a long time. But you hear about any great revival, you will always be able to trace it back to those that were so dedicated to understanding and seeing the heart of God intercessors they're the ones if you if you're thinking about a boiler room think about intercessors because they're the ones that stoke the flame they're the ones that stoke the flame they're the ones that are making sure there's oil in the lamp for the flame to continue to burn right it's real easy to build a fire that will burn for a little while and fade away without the oil it is not sustainable the oil is what sustains the flame And intercessors are the one that makes sure there's oil for the fire that is to come. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.